0: Are you ready to be confronted head on by the worst day of your life? And it's a heavy question and it kind of threw me off, but the intent was to get readers into the right mindset before they tackle preparation work for catastrophes. Now, there aren't many scenarios that I can imagine that I would label the worst day of my life, but losing the roof over my head is absolutely one of them. So the goal is to get rid of these mental hurdles that prevent clear thinking to begin with by kind of brainstorming the answers to that question.
1: Welcome to the Vision Regular podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Julian.
0: And I'm Kirsten. And today we're talking about climate change and how that's affecting real estate. We are going to kick off with some stats that highlight the urgency of the issue. Then we're going to talk about how we evaluate climate resilience for properties and share one of our favorite free resources. And finally, we'll get into some response strategies and ways to adapt to the impacts of climate change while mitigating the effects.
1: All right. But first, I want to give a shout out to someone who gave us a shout out. So first, big, big shout out to Brittany. Brittany was kind enough to send us an email and it was so sweet. She said, First of all, she started saying, dear Aldi family, which (laughs) shout out to everyone that knows that we have been converted and we are now loyal and pretty consistent Aldi shoppers. We've been promoted from shoppers to family. We really, really have. So she sent us this note. She said, I'm just going to quote just a little bit. I wanted to take a moment to express my deep admiration for your podcast. I make it a point to listen and tune in every chance I get. In fact, I find myself sitting down with my pencil and notepad Eagerly taking notes as I listen to each episode on repeat.
0: Like I, I love me a note taker. I was just about to say, I, you know, I'm I, a note taker. I used to be a note taker. No, I am a note taker. I
1: used to be a like really, really hardcore note taker. So it's good to know that there are a few other note takers out there. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Brittany, and anyone else that sends us a note. We really, really appreciate that. And shout out to everyone that notices that we have added some sound effects. <laughs> So those of you that have been following us on social media knows that we've made a couple of tweaks and we're thanking a few other people who sent us some good feedback around what we can do to improve audio quality. So hopefully you're hearing that uh, in this episode and in every episode going forward.
0: Okay, let's dive in. Let's dive in. So climate change. I mean, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's not a sound effect. That's just Julia. No, that is just me saying, "Oh my gosh." <laughs> yeah, this is a topic that is so big and so daunting that even the bravest, boldest, most outspoken real estate investors would literally rather discuss the weather (pun intended) than diving into the fascinating world of climate change. Well,
1: there's a difference between weather and climate, so let's not do that. <laughs> we confuse people.
0: I actually read an article that kind of coined the emotion that people feel as eco-anxiety. And not surprisingly, it's actually highest among children and young people. They reported feelings of sadness, anger, powerlessness, helplessness, helplessness (laughs) helplessness. That's
1: that's like a deeper version of helplessness.
0: Yeah. Helplessness and guilt. And honestly, like when you think about young people it's a reasonable response they're really the first one the first generation to experience the effects of climate change through all of this extreme weather and wildfires and they're also the first people to see it being called a crisis in the media that's a fairly recent shift within the last 10 years ago you know before that we were just talking about the polar bears Mm -hmm. and we weren't it was a crisis for them that the ice was melting but it wasn't a crisis for everyone But I I say that because I want to start with the disclaimer that says we're not trying to be alarmists with this episode. We're not trying to add to your eco-anxiety if you're feeling it by discussing it. And we're certainly not trying to convince you that the solution to climate change is an individual one. But as the good folks say... Denial ain't just a river in Egypt, and the more that we talk about this, the more that the more prepared you'll be. I've never heard that before. Denial isn't just a river in Egypt, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, is, that is a first, really. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh. but to your point, I, I think that is important because we do know that we have quite a few uh, people in the real estate industry, certainly a lot of real estate agents who listen to this podcast, and so we want to be mindful of that. But at the same time, it's really hard to ignore some of this stuff, especially when your news sounds like this.
0: So your next weather 7 Day Outlook looks like this. Uh, First tonight, another insurance company is leaving Florida. We are
1: farmers.
0: There is an increase in hospitalization due to respiratory issues. When there is heavy wildfire um, exposure, the city of Phoenix set a new record today by hitting 110 degrees or more for the 19th straight day. Drive into the devastating aftermath of record floods, droughts, storms, and wildfires from Arizona to Mexico to all the way up to the Canadian border.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot going on, right? right. Like that's every single every day, day at this point, right? And then we could have gone deeper, but obviously you guys get a gist of what we're talking about. So, and it's not just like the news, right? Like even my son, our son, I remember just the other day, I don't, I don't want to make the claim that he's a YouTube baby, but he gets his fair share of YouTube <laughs> and it is summer. So we're letting him play on his iPad and he was watching something the other day and he's like all into like, Tornadoes, oh, and yeah. hurricanes. He's very like. He's emergency. very he's mindful <laughs> of it. Every single time it like rains, he's asking questions. Is that a tornado? So he's very mindful of it. And so to your point, this generation is going to have a very different understanding, dare I say, appreciation for the risk of climate change. And it's certainly something that we've experienced here in Atlanta. I mean, we are not sort of. Excused from some of what we were experiencing in terms of the smoke coming down from Canada, Canada. I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were a couple of other issues. I mean, just the amount of rain that we've seen this summer, like is really causing me to rethink summer as a whole. Like it's not, you know, between these months and those months anymore. Like it's really, really weird. And the last thing I'll say is that even as property owners, because that is the focus of this particular episode. I remember when we moved into this home in 2018, this home was being built. It was like the last in this community that was being built. And you remember when we did that walkthrough and we were thinking about the plots or the lots that we wanted to build on. And it was back and forth. It was like, oh, I like this one. And it was a completely different design. And it might've even been one that we liked even more, but we chose not to do it because of our previous experience as homeowners and the issues that we'd experienced just with the rain or whenever there was just like a little bit too much rain. We chose this one because it was the house that was up the hill. And listen, climate change is affecting a lot of things, but it's not affecting gravity. Last time I checked, so water flows down and we knew then and it has since been confirmed for the last few years. Whenever we get heavy rain, rain goes down and the people who are at the bottom of the hill really kind of suffer. So all of that to say, there are definitely some financial implications when it comes to real estate investing, owning property, and climate change. And that's why we're talking about it today.
0: Yeah, this is definitely, depending on where you live, both the rainiest summer on record and or the hottest summer on yeah. record, which is ironic because it will likely be the driest and coolest one that you experience for the rest of our lives, yeah. for the rest of your life, which is the point of climate change. Things are getting hotter and and more volatile. And the reason why it matters is that as the risk of these severe and frequent weather changes grow, the financial value of properties in those risky places Drops. So I want to share a couple of stats just on floods alone to put it in perspective, because historically, flood insurance wasn't winning any popularity awards like people would be more likely to buy phone insurance or gadget insurance than they were for flood insurance. Right. A 2023 study by Nature Climate Change showed that nationally, property prices are overvalued between $121 billion and $237 billion when compared to their actual flood risk. So these properties are overvalued. And they found that the current prices mask the danger that these properties are exposed to because of outdated flood maps. There were these incentives in the national flood insurance program that allowed people to build in different flood zones mm-hmm. and home buyers who are just uninformed about climate change. If you live in a red state or a red area, no shade to those who do. This is not something that's talked about or even welcomed as a part of the conversation. Now, Florida tops the list and accounts for about 50 billion of that overvaluation. But coastal areas and big cities in Texas, like Houston and Dallas, also yep. have a significant amount of overvaluation even anecdotally, when we just talk about floods, I've seen more flood support Facebook groups because people who live in these places that have never flooded before are now experiencing flooding because of the rising water and rivers after downpour yeah. or, oh, you know, an overflow of, of storm water. And so it's something that people who may not live by the beach are still experiencing.
1: Yeah. And, and I'll say all of this has had a domino effect and led to an insurance crisis in at least three states, Florida. Louisiana and California, and insuring your home there has gotten way more difficult. And it leaves a lot of former policyholders vulnerable, or they're kind of forced to go bare or go without, or like pay like really significantly higher premiums. The data you shared uh, was just about floods, but we haven't even started to talk about the damage that hurricanes do or right. wildfires and any sort of future adjustments that we know this will have on insurance premiums. It makes me think about. My father, I think it was last year. So he's retired. He's been down in Florida for, gosh, maybe 15, 20 years now. But he's been there for a while. And he's just south, somewhere between Tampa and Fort Myers, somewhere in that area. And he sort of hunkered down during the last hurricane that came through Florida. And we stayed in touch, obviously. And and he's fine. The house was fine. No major damage. But when we were catching up afterwards, he was telling me about how his insurance basically doubled like to ensure that property, it doubled after that year. Like that was like the final straw for whoever his insurance provider was. And it basically doubled. I need to follow up to see what he did. I would imagine, you know, he's not the type to just go without. Right. Because I know he was deciding to go get like a generator, which again, if you're an investor, these are the kinds of things that you got to do. It's like, I got to do all these other things. So as a homeowner, I'm certainly paying attention, but if I were still an investor in real estate, these are the types of signs that wouldn't necessarily spook me out of my investments, but would certainly make me reconsider my strategy, given that my investment may not perform as planned because, one, everything is more expensive, and two, your property may not even be insured or insured to the same extent, or the cost of insurance just may not be the same.
0: Agreed. So let's jump into how to evaluate your property or properties for climate resilience, which is this term that basically just means, you know, you're that third pig that built your house with bricks, right? When the big bad wolf comes on, you can at least have enough resilience to not blow over or however the story goes. (laughs) Y'all know how the story goes. So I've been reading this book called Prepared and it's by Mike Glover. And it's basically a manual for surviving worst case scenarios, which is not something I would typically read. But this book was sent to us by uh, Portfolio, who is our publishing imprint. And so it looks really interesting. Anyway, Mike is this former military guy and his goal is to help readers survive any type of catastrophe in the modern world, including natural disasters like what we're talking about today, caused by climate change, but also those man-made disasters. Hmm. And the question that he asked at the beginning is, are you ready to be confronted head on by the worst day of your life? And it's a heavy question and it kind of threw me off, but the intent was to get readers into the right mindset before they tackle preparation work for catastrophes. Now, there aren't many scenarios that I can imagine that I would label the worst day of my life, but losing the roof over my head is absolutely one of them. So the goal is to get rid of these mental hurdles that prevent clear thinking to begin with by Mm -hmm. kind of brainstorming the answers to that question. And two of the big mental hurdles that people encounter the most is arrogance and ignorance, right? Now, arrogance is just the idea that assuming that none of this stuff matters to you. The most famous example of arrogance is found in the story of the Titanic. One of the reasons that the death count was so high was because everybody involved, from the designer to the captain to the engineers, assumed and believed that the ship was unsinkable. So they never even created a plan for the emergency, right? They never looked at evacuation. They never counted the number of lifeboats. They didn't have a plan. And then in terms of ignorance, this is really for the avoiders out there. These are the folks who believe that making plans is kind of tempting fate and increases the chances that something bad will happen. You know, the kind of people that don't go to the doctor because they're afraid to find out something is actually wrong. That's willful ignorance. Whatever side of the coin you're on, you really can't like wish this stuff away and you certainly can't hide from it. You have to prepare for it. And that requires this level of honesty and A little bit of inviting some fear and anxiety in so that you can actually come up with a plan.
1: Yeah. So after you get into that right mindset, I think the first step is evaluating your property by considering historical weather data and future climate projections. One of our favorite tools is called Risk Factor. It's a free tool created by the nonprofit First Street Foundation, which makes it easy to understand risks from environmental threats. This isn't a sponsored podcast or anything like that by then. But we do think this is a really, really cool tool. It's free as well. And we just love to geek out with like calculators like this one because it's so cutting edge. And I think, again, something that's needed and helps people who are wanting to jump in, but don't really feel like they can actually get like really sharp or immediate answers to some of their questions. So on that tool or on that website, you can search any address and see its risk from flooding, wildfire, heat, and, wind. and when we looked at our home address, we see that we have minimal risk of flooding, minimal risk of fire, a moderate risk of wind from a hurricane, tornado or severe storm, but major risk of heat damage. Now, our heat report shows that we've had eight days above 103 degrees this year and then estimates that we'll increase our energy usage and see an increase in our annual cooling costs. So it gives us a heads up that we need to plan and budget for future HVAC outages and repairs. And really just from a financial perspective, I think it's helpful to get people to kind of break the routine that they're in. I think there are those of us who budget consistently and well, you see those numbers over and over again. You think they're not going to change and then maybe something changes and you want to know why. This sort of gives you a different set of data to help you understand that you may not necessarily be doing anything wrong, but that other things, external factors have likely changed, which might be leading to a downstream impact on your budget.
0: Yes, Plan is the right word. It's the key word. Because once you have the right insights on your property, you need a plan to prep your home and give yourself the best possible chance of withstanding whatever natural disaster is most likely for you. You want to make sure to inspect your property's infrastructure and building design. You want to look at your landscaping and drainage systems. And if you need to, you want to consult with an expert, right? From there, that's when you create your plan and the best plans are layered, So let's say we were at high risk for wind damage instead of heat. We would create a primary plan, which is maybe to invest in a generator, and then you would create an alternate or a contingency plan in case that generator isn't available. So maybe we would have flashlights, or maybe we would start freezing some ice blocks like your dad did, (laughs) like your dad created these bricks of ice because of his experience and not having refrigeration for a week, right? And then finally, we would have an emergency plan. This is the plan for evacuation or sheltering in place that may include some of those prepper supplies, whether it's, you know, rice or bottled water or tarps or flare guns, whatever you need. You just want to have some sort of emergency plan on top of the contingency plan, which is on top of the primary plan. And then once you've established your plans, then you need to go through with detail and make sure that you have everything you need for that plan to be accessible for you or your tenants, if you have tenants, you know, you want to make sure that everybody knows how to work the storm windows or screens yep. if you're in an apartment building. You want to make sure you have a fire ladder or at least understand how to get out in case of emergency. And then I know this is a lot, but and then you want to regularly check on your homeowners and renter's insurance to determine if you have adequate coverage for climate related damages. You want to make sure to look out for exclusions because there are several policies that consider this stuff an act of God and it's actually excluded from the protections. So go through the paperwork and if it's confusing, then give them a call and ask them to find out exactly what you have.
1: Yeah, if we were susceptible to wind damage, I would just invest in windmills so that we can (laughs) collect, you know, it's it's basically another version of solar panels. Yeah. I would collect all the wind, use that to generate (laughs) power. (laughs) And let that power, you know, listen, I'm telling you, if that's not a thing yet, it will be. Home windmills. Yes, home windmills. But all jokes aside, I think a lot of this and the idea of planning falls in line with a lot of things that we've discussed in the plan. And obviously it falls in line with almost any sort of long-term or even short-term preparation with respect to your financial plan. We talked about mid-year review planning in episode 121. And so as you're looking for, different wins or maybe you're refreshing your financial resolutions, which we talked about in episode 91. This might be one of the opportunities where you say, you know what, not only am I going to look for opportunities to save, but I'm going to look for opportunities to save to help offset this additional or supplemental coverage that I think I'm going to need based on this newfound information. Uh, there's no saying, you know, yeah, you're typically the one that does all the old things. But <laughs> the, the one that I do know is that, what is it that man plans and God, God laughs or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I can see why that's relevant in all things, obviously. But like, this is one of those things that you really don't want to be blindsided by. So don't take that as a sense of encouragement to be negligent. Really do something about it once you learn or once you learn uh, something new about the property or properties that you own.
0: So we've given you some solid tips for reacting to climate change, but I want to talk about being proactive as well, because we should all be making wiser decisions when we know what's happening around us. And the first point that I want to make kind of builds into my last point, and it's a reminder that insurance companies are not Heroes. They are friendly, but they're not your friends. These are for profit.
1: Uh-huh, the commercial would beg to differ. <laughs> I know.
0: I know. Jake from State Jake's... Farm is not your homeboy. Like he feels like it. Flo from Progressive. Yeah, I, she Flo's feels nice. friendly, but like these are just These are fictional characters.
1: Talk talk to your friends who work for insurance
0: companies. Right. right. Take
1: them out for drinks and see what they share with
0: you. Yeah. I mean, you absolutely want to maintain solid insurance, but do what you can to self-insure on on top of that. It's not a stretch to say that you could end up in some situation where your home or your property is severely damaged or destroyed in a natural disaster and your insurance company is unable to pay the full cost of your claim or unwilling to right? I was about
1: to say you're being kind.
0: Yeah. Well, the unable means like, you know, if, if they are largely exposed in a state that is right. has a, a number of claims at time, like this is where the government comes in and bails banks out. But we yeah. don't have a huge precedent for them doing the same thing for insurance companies. So if you do some research and find that you're at risk, now is the time to start beefing up that emergency fund and planning to make some home upgrades based on the weak points of your property. So maybe that's storm shutters, solar panels, windmills, whatever, (laughs) whatever you whatever you need for your property. Now's the time to start planning for those expenses and saving for them as well. Yeah. And it may
1: sound overly simplistic, but if you're looking to buy properties, you may also want to consider purchasing in less climate vulnerable region. So typically people are obviously looking for affordability and they're looking for, you know, trying to get a great deal on those properties. But you might also want to at least to some extent add the risk of damage or climate change affecting your property values or something like that you might want to add that to your criteria most good investors would tell you that you can find a good deal anywhere if you know what you're doing but there's definitely something to be said for the typical small mom-and-pop investor that doesn't have tons of cash or real estate that they can borrow against like homes in the south and the Midwest have always been like considered a good place to start relative to other high cost areas uh, around the country however, That may not necessarily align with homes that are best suited to account for some of the issues that we've been talking about. For example, there are some states that are considered climate resistant, which basically means they're less prone to rising sea levels, record heat and wildfires. A couple of those in particular are Minnesota, Illinois, Rhode Island, Maine and Wyoming. Now, on the opposite end of that spectrum, we have states that aren't so great. and We've already mentioned a few of those, California, Florida. Utah is on that list. South Carolina, surprisingly, is on that list. And then you mentioned Texas. We know they've had a lot of heat issues, which have led to drought and electrical grid issues and all that stuff. Now, this is all based on a study done by bankrate.com and their methodology on how they determined which states were climate resistant is as follows. And I quote, states were ranked by analyzing their susceptibility to the conditions brought about or worsened by climate change, including drought, floods, wildfires, storms, and other extreme weather conditions. The number of existing threats, as well as the likelihood of conditions worsening, was taken into account. They added a few other details there, but it sort of gives you a comprehensive, high-level understanding of how they came up with that short list. So think about that. It's a lot easier to invest out of state these days than it's ever been uh, before. As a real estate investor, you just kind of get your management company or maybe you've got a partner or someone who's already familiar with the area, what they call boots on the ground. That's great. But you always, always want to make sure, I think, especially now that you want to make sure that you are looking at those as opportunities. Now, on top of that, right, the world's bigger than just the United States, even when we're thinking about, and it may not necessarily be for real estate investing, but just people who are considering moving abroad. There are certain countries or parts of the world that are more prone and less prone to climate change. We're not going to go into all of those details, but there's a list of those countries as well. And the bulk of them that are more resistant or better or climate friendly if you will are Scandinavian countries in Europe so Denmark Sweden Norway maybe that's why they're always on the happy list
0: or something. I was about to say the UK they don't is go up to work there. every day
1: the, the UK <laughs> is on there as well yeah um, which is interesting uh, and then obviously on the other end of that you've got like countries where I don't think people are actively looking to move but you got to know where they are they're susceptible to drought and you know when you don't have water infrastructure like we do here in the United States obviously a drought can be really, really traumatic and lead to loss of life. So those are just things that I think, you know, we actually, unfortunately, really need to be thinking about these days because it's here and it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere anytime
0: soon. Yeah. I'll piggyback on that point and say that if you're in the market to buy or to build, it also might be smart to have a bias towards climate-conscious real estate. Mm. Things with features like energy efficiency or proper insulation, energy-saving windows, Energy Star-rated appliances. We mentioned solar panels earlier, but also water conservation and green spaces are also draws to different neighborhoods. Again, it's about widening your list of requirements. We all love a good walk-in closet and nice... Big, bright countertops, but we have to start holding space in our value equation for things like bike lanes, electric vehicle charging stations and stormwater management. Those are indicators that the city's leadership and the real estate of developers in the area at least have these risks in their mind and are burning the candle on both ends. They're making improvements that help your life be more sustainable while also installing home features that keep your costs lower over the next few decades. So you want to see Kind of progressive approaches to building and, and developing neighborhoods. And that's kind of where you want to have a little bias.
1: Yeah. If you're an investor and you have multiple properties, I think it's also worth diversifying, not just geographically, but also by property type. So instead yeah. of only investing in residential properties, for example, you might want to consider commercial or industrial spaces too, because different property types respond differently to climate change. You might opt to review the insurance policies of the HOAs or any of those broader coverage policies just to kind of get a better idea of like what's actually covered or whether or not you're in partnership with a group group that doesn't necessarily see those risks or acknowledge them to the extent that they want to ensure that they're covered as well, because that could have a downstream impact on your investment. But I think uh, this may also be a time for you to consider something like portable or movable living, like going back to the the residential aspect, right? We've got a couple of friends who have invested and done really well with investing in trailer parks. The other person that comes to mind is a friend of ours who bought their first home couple of years ago, fixed that up. It was a fixer-upper. It's now absolutely beautiful. But then he took it to the next level and decided to build a tiny house out back. And he did that, you know, sort of with this in mind. Like on one side, he's using it as an Airbnb. And so he's earning supplemental income that way. But when he's going on vacation or as he's thinking about some things, because he does live and we warned him, he lives on a house that's got this like really negative slope. And it's like once that water, if water hits, like it could really, really be catastrophic. And he's got a ton of equipment. Like, too. So, like, he's really thinking ahead from that regard. But all that to say, he's got a backup plan. Like, he can leave and take that house wherever he wants to. Obviously. The tiny house. The tiny house. <laughs> not it's the big not, house. It's not the big house, but, you know, he's got an option. And again, it's something that I think a lot of people are thinking about. And, you know, I think that's one great example of being creative, finding a, a way to do it that also earns you some money, but also sort of insulating yourself from climate change or other weather related issues.
0: Yes. And the last thing I'll say is don't forget about community engagement. Build relationships with local experts. There are real estate developers, brokers, agents, property managers, utility company workers, landscapers, all of these people in your neighborhood that are very familiar with climate and weather related risks in your areas. And you need to get to know them Take them out for a beer. The next time the power goes out and they send a rep, don't be afraid to ask like how long, you know, how often does this happen in our neighborhood? Don't be afraid to send a note to city leadership. We actually had an incident in our neighborhood where the power was going out every single day around the same time. And it would be out for a few minutes and then pop right back on regardless of the weather. And finally, when somebody called it in because you know, we noticed that it was a pattern, she learned that there was this faulty box or something that was affecting the entire area. Right. Those are the things that you want to know before it becomes a catastrophe. Right. You want to know that your box is faulty before the whole neighborhood has an outage and yours is the last power to come on because your box also needs a repair or something like that. Right. So you got to start to develop your situational awareness. And a really good way to do that is with, you know, using the guiding hands and objects observations of an expert, someone who kind of cleans up these messes all year round.
1: I love it. All right. Well, what do you say we move on to final thoughts? Yes. All right. I got a little surprise for you. We're going to add a little spice to final thoughts. <laughs> See if you like it.
0: Okay. Theme music. All I right. feel very Vanna White-ish. Like <laughs> I need to present something.
1: All right. What do you think?
0: All right. So my final thought is one that y'all have heard us say before. Investing is a long game And home ownership is a long game. If you got yourself a 30-year mortgage in the 2020s, you're on the hook for that loan until the 2050s. Now do the math and go look at the climate predictions. Many of them are set to take place in the 2030s and 2040s. So the risk is real. You are completely exposed to having paid all of this money into an asset and a hurricane come and take it away and you be uninsured and, and left with with nothing. Yeah. You don't want to be caught in the crossfires between your insurance company that insures your property and the bank that holds your mortgage. So, again, our goal is not to be alarmist, but it is to remind people that assets require protection. And the best way to protect your investment against climate change is to prepare for it.
1: I love it. I love it. All right. My final thoughts are this, whether you believe it's real or not, the equation for profitable real estate investing has changed. I'm not saying you shouldn't consider it, but you should definitely add an asterisk to some rules of thumb to account for climate change, especially if you are in a high risk area and you're in it for the long run. So a couple of questions you may want to ask yourself. How long will the roof last if it's withstanding more hurricane winds and rain than normal? How much might utilities be if it's hotter than usual? How much are my insurance premiums going to be if there are fewer players in the market and premiums are higher than they've ever been? Not accounting for climate change to some extent would be just negligent as an investor. So do your homework, not just for properties and contractors, but of the cities and the states or whatever the regions are that you're planning on investing in.
0: Yes, I love it. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular Podcast presented by Success. We know this can be a heated topic, oh. but if but if you like today's episode and want to share whether it helped you think about things differently, oh, double, double, <laughs> leave us a five star rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We will see y'all next week.